Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. The LGBTQ community is outraged as the so-called Don't Say Gay bill clears the legislature. Florida becomes the first state to advise children against the COVID-19 vaccine. And the legislature heads into overtime because of disagreements on the budget. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson. And those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporter John Kennedy and Palm Beach Post politics editor Antonio Finns. But first... Gentlemen, uh, that music means it's time for some numbers. How about you, Antonio? You got a number for us today? I'm going to make John jealous with a decimal number, 4.21. Okay. How about you, John? Uh, yeah, Antonio, those decimals are always good. But, Zach, you know, the, the, the baseball announcer, Red Barber, many years ago, used to do weekly sports pieces on public radio from his, his retirement home in Tallahassee. Uh, he also began these broadcasts with an update on what was in bloom in Tallahassee. Well, Zach, the pear trees are flowering right now in Tallahassee, and I'm here with my own pear. It's the number two. That's my number for this week. I, I would never have thought that the pear trees would be flowering in Tallahassee. That's not uh, something <laughs> I typically think of uh, in Tallahassee as pears, but uh, that's good to know. And, uh, John, last week you cranked it up to 11. This week I am referencing Spinal Tab, but I am cranking it up to 11. That's my number for the week. Uh, remember those numbers, folks. Write them down. We'll tell you what they mean in Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, the Florida Senate passed legislation this week that has been labeled the Don't Say Gay Bill by critics. The measure already cleared the House and now goes to the governor for approval. The bill states that, quote, classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity may not occur in kindergarten through grade three. Critics say this discriminates against gay and transgender people. The bill was highlighted on Saturday Night Live last week, and Hillary Clinton even weighed in against it this week. It's attracted intense criticism from the LGBTQ community, even as Republicans, including Governor Ron DeSantis, say it's being mischaracterized. Looking ahead, John, it seems like DeSantis is going to sign this, and opponents will immediately challenge it in the court, right? Yeah, it's pretty guaranteed to wind up in court, and uh, it may not be the only piece of legislation that winds up there out of this session. Uh, when I think about the elections law changes and the 15-week abortion law and, uh, and, of course, congressional redistricting, which is uh, kind of in limbo right now. But uh, the Don't Say Gay legislation has a big constituency of advocates behind it. Uh, the Human Rights Campaign, which is sued in federal court to block legislation signed by Governor DeSantis last year that barred transgender women and girls from playing high school and college and intramural sports. They, they sued over that legislation last year, and that's still kind of making its way through federal court with a couple of obstacles along the way. So uh, I would imagine a organization such as the Human Rights Campaign is, is watching this legislation pretty closely. Um, so it, it's pretty likely that, um, you know, these latest restrictions on how gender identity and sexual identity can be addressed 
by teachers in grades one through three and, and maybe all classes based on whether the conversations are considered age appropriate, that that's going to wind up being some kind of litigation, no doubt. Um, it, it really has been one of the most combative bills, although, you know, it's remarkable. Just about every Republican voted in favor of it and refused to offer any concessions. It, it just shows the divide in Florida and the nation, I guess, the, that this kind of parental rights legislation becomes a badge of honor for Republican candidates on the campaign trail. Now, for Democrats, this legislation also will be a campaign issue. Uh, so we're going to be hearing plenty more about it in the weeks to come. We'll, uh, we'll also likely hear from DeSantis when he signs the legislation. Remember last year, he found a way to further antagonize uh, by by signing the transgender bill on June 1st. That was the uh, the first day of LGBT Pride Month. So uh, I'm sure DeSantis is going to find a way to highlight this uh, legislation to his base now this year as well. John, DeSantis has been pr pretty uh, prickly about this bill. You know, he was asked about it earlier this week, and he really took issue with this uh, this nickname that the bill has gotten, that don't say gay, and he likes that 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 people are pushing this narrative that's not true. And his spokesperson, uh, Christina Pashaw, has really been active on Twitter, uh, pushing back against people who use um, you know the nickname for the bill and saying that this is just all democratic talking points. And um, but it, it, I think it uh, speaks to, I mean, they're very defensive about this. It, it, does it seem like they're losing the messaging war on this? Uh, the Republicans are, are really just trying to uh, change the narrative in this debate and really try to make it where uh, that, that reviled nickname is not part of it and make it more of a parental rights issue where uh, only parents are going to be the people that can speak about a child's uh, sexual orientation or gender identity and that uh, it, it ignores, as we've heard in countless hours of debate on the floor, uh, the situations where there are family situations where those topics can't be discussed at home and the child turns to a teacher for uh, advice. That's something that DeSantis and the ruling Republicans don't want to have happen. So they're, they're just trying to change the talking points, it seems like, by uh, not acknowledging that this is anything about an anti-gay legislation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've really said, oh, nowhere in the bill does it say that you can't say gay, that, you know, it's just, uh, you know, about teaching these things, um, you know, to, to young children. And, um, you know, people I, I saw there was um, a television host who um, is is gay and he was has children and he was saying, well, the bill's vague enough that I'm worried that if my my child brings up his gay dad in class and the teacher engages on that, that somehow, um, you know, that could be construed as illegal, you know, that there is legitimate concerns amongst the LGBTQ community here um, about, about uh, you know, what could be said and couldn't be said in class about their families here. Um, but the uh, the governor uh, and lawmakers seem to be largely brushing that off. So we'll see, um, you know, how this plays out going forward. Antonio, this bill, it really has generated an enormous amount of uh, opposition, a lot of protests. What do you make about uh, the, the energy that um, has kind of uh, gone into opposing this? Yeah, Zach, I watched this, I've watched the scenes of student walkouts the last couple of weeks around the state uh, from schools. And I'm thinking back to Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School and that horrific shooting four years ago. 
in those ensuing months, we saw similar student walkouts from schools and in this massive rally in Washington, D.C., led by Stoneman Douglas students, and which drew young people from all across the country in support of gun safety legislation. I covered that demonstration. It was very reminiscent of the Vietnam anti-war movement in the 1960s. And it looked at the time like we might be at the start of another era of young voter mobilization. But in the 2018 midterm elections, Republicans still ended up dominating Florida. And they extended that domination in 2020. You know, and further measures to reduce gun violence have also failed to move in either Tallahassee or Capitol Hill just the same. So will this widespread opposition to the uh, Don't Say Gay bill again spark this sort of young voter mo mobilization and activism? You know, we'll see in eight months or so. If so, it's a boost Democrats desperately need. The GOP has way out hustled them on voter registrations and organizations like Turning Point USA, which held its summit here in West Palm Beach when former President Trump was in office, have effectively and successfully mobilized uh, young conservatives and garnered their votes. Yeah. And, you know, it and also could mobilize the other side. You know, there's uh, a lot of uh, conservative parents uh, who are concerned about, um, you know, the, the culture and uh, what they perceive as uh, inappropriate uh, things happening uh, in schools, whether these things are, are happening or not. You know, there's been this whole war over uh, critical race theory and, and whether or not that's being taught in schools. And, and uh, it, this this uh you know, so-called don't say K bill is only the latest in a long series of bills um, that have targeted transgender issues, transgender bathroom issues. So, um, you know, the GOP leaders obviously think that this is an issue that uh, parents uh, are concerned about and that, um, you know, maybe it'll mobilize the other side as well heading into the elections. Um, so we'll have to see. Well, as controversial bills fly through the legislature, the DeSantis administration has its own attention-grabbing moment this week when Surgeon General Joseph Ledapo announced that Florida will be the first state in the nation to recommend that children not get vaccinated for COVID-19. The announcement comes as the Omicron wave has faded and COVID concerns are receding across the nation, but DeSantis keeps finding more ways to keep this issue in the spotlight. Antonio, last week it was the governor's much-discussed confrontation with some mask-wearing high school students. This week, it's Florida as really an extreme outlier on children and vaccines. Critics think the governor is straining to keep the focus on an issue that has benefited him politically. What do you think? Well, it certainly seems that way. Uh, but first, I think we do need to talk some reality here. This decision by the governor's Surgeon General, Joseph Ladapo, to advise against vaccinating healthy children was widely panned by physicians and public health experts. And you and I spent much of Monday making those calls to these uh, doctors and physicians. And, you know, they were lockstep and that this was really the wrong way to go. Dr. Tommy Sheckman, who is the former president of the Florida chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, said that as a pediatrician and as somebody trained in public health, what the governor and Ladapo insist on regarding childhood vaccination goes against every decades-long tenet of public health policy and practice when it comes to vaccines. Uh, Dr. Shetman also emphasized that vaccination is clearly the most successful means of avoiding death, whether it's from COVID or whether it's from preventable diseases, uh, measles, polio, flu, or meningitis. Ladapo's statement, he added, is not only confusing to patients, but is also misleading, and it further erodes the physician-patient relationship and the trust that needs to be between the physician and the patient, especially on something as important as vaccination. Look, overall, we should also point out that Florida is approaching almost 6 million COVID cases and has topped 71,000 deaths. 
This as we mark the two-year anniversary of one of former President Trump's most provocative uh, coronavirus tweets. On March 9th, 2020, on his way from Mar-a-Lago to Orlando, the then-president posted on his now-defunct Twitter account that on average, the U.S. suffered 37,500 deaths from the flu every year. And at that time, there had been just 15 deaths attributed to coronavirus. And Trump closed his missive saying, just saying. The clear message was that coronavirus just wasn't that big a deal. Two years later, that Trump observation has proven disastrously wrong, especially in Florida, which lost to COVID, which has lost to COVID on an annual average basis. The same number of people the whole country loses to the flu each year. That is a stunning failure. Yet, two years later, DeSantis is basically following that same line from that tweet two years ago. And yet, Zach, despite the millions of infections and tens of thousands of deaths, DeSantis' free state mantra has proven very popular. He has solid approval ratings and has raised millions of dollars for his reelection campaign. And what's more is that this is an issue that he owns. Or as I was told this week, it's an issue in which DeSantis, who many believe is positioning himself for a 2024 White House run, can out-Trump Trump, meaning it's the one issue he can run to the right of Trump. Yes, DeSantis can send law enforcement officers to the border, but it's still Trump's border wall. DeSantis can tout low unemployment numbers, but it was Trump who will be credited with the pre-pandemic economic boom. But COVID? This is an issue that DeSantis may feel that he can beat Trump on. And it's an issue the base cares deeply and passionately about. Remember, it was Trump who recommended getting vaccinated until he got booed. And since then, he's kind of dropped the entire issue. And it was Trump who shut down the economy. And DeSantis is already on record saying, uh, being critical of that move. Still, look, you make a good point. There is straining going on. What's next? How do you keep the focus? Uh, that's a good question. So that's interesting, Antonio. You think this is an area where DeSantis could really separate himself from Trump because uh, to a large part, he really has been considered under Trump's shadow over the years. It was a tweet from Trump, an endorsement from Trump in 2018 in the GOP primary that really um, you know, vaulted uh, DeSantis to victory over a better known opponent. And ever since then, he's sort of been considered a, a protege of Trump. He even famously did an ad during the 2018 campaign where he had his children um, building the, the the border wall, uh, you know, embracing Trump as, as much as you possibly could. Um, and, and since then has been pretty Trumpian in his uh, in his governance of, of Florida, promoting um, immigration crackdowns and, and other issues like that. Um, but uh, you see, this is an issue where he can separate himself and maybe even go uh, further than than Trump and really own uh, an issue that Trump hasn't um, maybe uh, excited the base on as much. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing from all our political sources. That they they see this as the issue that that as you just said it that that the issue the one issue that DeSantis has separated himself from Trump on and has sort of made it his his brand. You know, this free state mantra. And across the board, I mean, people are moving here from other states because it's the free state of Florida. And I think he's one that politically in that camp, you know, that he has made it his brand that he he can own. Will it be enough to beat Trump? Well, you know, you were at CPAC. You saw the, the, the mood there. And clearly it was Trump's crowd. DeSantis gave a, a speech. And by the way, in the speech, he didn't talk really about you mentioned he didn't talk about Ukraine. He talked about COVID. He talked about the yeah. free state of Florida. So, I mean, clearly whether it's because he can beat Trump on, as some of my sources are telling me, 
or whether it's the one issue that he can elevate himself to natural, national stature and own, uh, or, or maybe a combination of the two. But clearly, clearly he's found uh, he, he's found traction here on this. Yeah. And it's important to point out, you know, this goes against the recommendation of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which is recommending that all help uh, children get the COVID-19 vaccine. It goes against the American Academy of Pediatrics, the leading uh, pediatric medicine organization in the country that is recommending that all children get the COVID-19 vaccine. There was, I think, uh, doctors reaching out to doctors and uh, uh, medical uh, professionals around the state this week, uh, people who, um, you know, academics who are, are teaching in medical schools, epidemiologists. There was, there was a lot of shock um, that the governor uh, did this. I think a lot of them are, are concerned that this is sending um, the wrong message uh, to parents and confusing parents to have Florida doing this. But uh, DeSantis is really setting up the Florida De Department of Health uh, to be almost like the anti-CDC uh, here. And, uh, you know, it sort of contrasts, uh, he, he has tried to draw that contrast with Biden uh, throughout Biden's pe presidency and especially on COVID. And I think this is uh, about as stark a contrast uh, as you could get. Well, finally, despite being flush with cash this year as the economy recovers from the pandemic and federal recovery money keeps flowing in, Florida lawmakers have struggled to reach a budget and are pushing the 60-day legislative session into overtime to get it done. John, it looks like you're going to be uh, stuck covering the legislature for a little bit longer uh, this year. What's the, what's the hiccup here? Yeah, you know, I, I, for one, didn't think it would come to this. I was uh, thinking, yeah, there's so much money, you can settle any differences. But, you know, there's always, uh, even within those dollars, there's always dealing. And the, and the House finds a way to keep money away from projects or programs that are sought by the Senate, especially Senate President Wilton Simpson, who's a statewide candidate for agriculture commissioner this year. Uh, he has pet projects that he wants to see funded. And uh, the House was sort of slow in putting some money into uh, the, the, the variety of uh, farm uh, programs that he was seeking uh, to get supplemental funding for. And it's kind of the same for the Senate, withholding dollars from what the House wants, or uh, or the governor, for that matter, who is getting most of what he wants, but but not everything. Uh, just last night, the legislature came in with a, a late-hour approval of a $200 million gas tax break for the month of October. Uh, they're going to lift the uh, state's uh, sales tax on gasoline, which is close to 24 cents. They'll lift it for that month. Uh, the governor wanted a billion dollar uh, tax uh, cut that was going to last five months. So it's been whittled down, but it, it's going to happen right before the governor is on the uh, the ballot for re-election. So that's something he can campaign on, which is clearly part of the uh, strategy behind this. Um, and uh, the governor's uh, threatened veto of congressional redistricting uh, that was approved by the House of Senate also figures into some of the real kind of wheeling and dealing because the legislature was trying to, you know, maybe get a couple of uh, concessions or get the governor to, to sort of back off his veto threat uh, by withholding some money. So when you get into the, that kind of gamesmanship behind that. Um, that, that slows things down, and it's a it's a bigger job than uh, they they thought they could finish in time. We're recording the show on uh, Thursday morning, and just last night, Wednesday night, the lead negotiators did agree on the budget. 
which will be published today. It's uh, it's going to be a big one, over uh, $100 billion for only the second time in state history, uh, the year we're currently in being the first. But uh, we're probably going to have a vote on Monday, and that will be the end of the regular session. But uh, there's still a chance that we could be back in a special session, especially on that issue of uh, congressional redistricting. All right, going into overtime uh, in Tallahassee, it seems to have been uh, kind of a trend in, in recent years. 60 days doesn't seem to be enough to uh, get it done for these guys anymore. Uh, we'll move on to some numbers here. Antonio, you want to tell us about yours? Yeah, Zach, I have 4.21, which is in uh, $4.21, the new record this century for a gallon of gas, regular gasoline in Florida. And, and in a clear example of how domestic political concerns can impact foreign policy, it turns out the Biden administration is now negotiating with the Venezuelan dictatorship led by Nicolas Maduro to potentially lift sanctions on oil exports, including sales to the United States from the uh, South American country. Now, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said this week that the fact that gas prices in the U.S. have risen an average of 75 cents since the start of this, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, means there is a need to explore increased production with oil exporting countries. But oil purchases from Venezuela would be absolutely toxic for Florida Democrats this November. You saw what happened to Miami-Dade Hispanics, especially Cubans in 2020. Count that and a hook of a lot more if this deal with Venezuela goes through. Now, Maduro uh, released two Americans held in Venezuela this week, and more will likely be released as a sort of an olive branch measure. But if that is a strategy to blunt criticism from South Florida, it won't work. Venezuela's opposition leader, Juan Guaido, has uh, condemned the talks. So have Florida Republicans who say that rather than buying oil from Venezuela, they insist there is more energy production that can be done in the United States. Even Democrats are leery. U.S. Representative uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz of Weston, a Democrat from Weston, uh, who in the fall of 2020 brought House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to a Venezuela roundtable here to back you know, U.S. hardline stances toward Maduro said rewarding the Maduro regime in Venezuela by swapping out the oil imports of one murderous kleptocrat for another in our hemisphere would be wrong and short-sighted. Buying oil from Venezuela, especially at today's high prices, is simply going to be viewed as throwing the Maduro dictatorship a lifeline. Uh, yes, it may also hurt the Cuban economy, as some analysts say that sales to the U.S. from Venezuela will come at the expense of Ven Caracas being able to provide Cuba, Venezuela's close ally for two decades with cheap oil. But again, no one here is going to see it this way. And yes, it's not like the hardline policy promulgated by the Trump administration was effective in toppling Maduro. You know, a couple of years later, Maduro is still in Caracas and Trump is in Mar-a-Lago renting about a non-stolen election. It doesn't matter. Republicans are going to argue that Biden, who was Obama's vice president when the 44th president went to a baseball game photo op with Cuban dictator Raul Castro, is now helping out the Havana communist government's top ally, Maduro. And gentlemen, you know what that means in the 305 and beyond. It means it's proof that Biden and Democrats are socialists. Again, we all know how that attack line worked in 2020. Yeah, and, and just the fact that the Biden administration is considering this, I mean, I know they're in a tough position um, when it comes to you know oil and gas prices, but 
um, you you really got to think that, um, you know, if they really felt like Florida was in play, they would be very leery of this because um, this does not play well um, in, in South Florida, especially in Miami. Uh, and uh, they really need to improve their performance there. Uh, Trump made huge inroads uh, with the Hispanic community in Miami in 2020. Uh, and it doesn't seem like this is a great way uh, to win them back. Um, so it just makes you wonder if they're sort of uh, writing off uh, Florida a little bit here um, uh, going forward. All right, John. Well, how about you? Uh, what Tell us about your number. Yeah, Zach, uh, two are two brand new Embraer executive jets that the legislature has agreed to buy using $31.3 million in taxpayer money this week. Uh, the two 11-seat jets will go along with a uh, similarly sized Cessna that the governor has had at his disposal since 2019 that was bought for $15.5 million uh, shortly after he took office. Uh, th this kind of rewinds to uh, DeSantis's predecessor. That was Rick Scott, now a Florida United States senator. He was a multimillionaire, and he scrapped the state's small aircraft pool of uh, what then was two turboprops and a business jet. And, uh, and Scott spent his own money on his own jet in getting around the state. Uh, DeSantis, of course, doesn't have that kind of uh, personal cash, so the legislature has helped him out. Now, though, lawmakers want to provide rides to more top officials, and the other two jets would be available on a priority list to the uh, lieutenant governor, cabinet members, Supreme Court justices, the House Speaker, the Senate President, and uh, chairs of legislative committees, and then down to agency officials. So uh, three planes the state once had and uh, three jets it will uh, have now going forward. Of course, the, the, the $31.3 million going to these, these aircraft could be spent on, uh, well, maybe more on programs to help Floridians. But, uh, hey, you know, it, it's, it's hard for the House Speaker to get from Tallahassee to Punta Gorda in a hurry if he has to. So uh, now he can just dial up the, uh, the air pool and see if he can get one of those Embraer jets uh, at his disposal. Wow. Even 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 legislative committee chairs are going to be jetting. I, the know. I don't know how, how well that's going to go over with voters, but it's uh, going pretty far down the pecking hey, order. Yeah, legislature, you do you. Um, OK, well, my number is 11, as in just 11 percent of voters think COVID-19 is the most important problem facing Florida. That's according to a recent University of North Florida survey. COVID ranked fourth. <laughs> behind the economy, education, and immigration as the top concern for Florida voters, and even lower among Republicans. There are two ways to look at that number. One is that most Floridians are over COVID and ready to return to normal, which is something DeSantis is uh, continuing to try and tap into as he keeps pushing on this issue, trying to find new battles uh, in the COVID wars, as we saw this week with the uh, vaccine recommendation for healthy children that they don't get vaccinated. But, you know, that that poll number also shows that people may be less attuned to COVID policy going forward and less interested in continuing to fight these battles. Florida is open for business. Issues such as mask and vaccine mandates are fading from the political stage. And people such as DeSantis, who have made COVID their signature issue, may have a harder time attracting attention going forward. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy, and thanks to all of you for listening. 
We're out of here.